0: welcome to the inspired to invest podcast where we're sharing stories from real estate investors and how investing has changed their lives this episode of the inspired to invest podcast has been brought to you by fluent capital hey everybody welcome to the inspired to invest podcast i have alex powell here with me today and he fell in love with real estate investing very young. And by age 16, he'd actually read most of Robert Kiyosaki's books on wealth building. For anyone that knows Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he went to Mohawk College uh, to study mechanical engineering technology and later on went to Lakehead University uh, with a Bachelor of Engineering, Construction and Technology. But out of university, he really focused on saving every penny to buy his first house, which he fixed up and rented out. And then he duplicated the process a number of times And then he eventually got to the point he was able to leave his full-time job. And now he just focuses on real estate investing in Canada, as well as the United States. So thank you so much for being here today. How are you?
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing fantastic. And how are you?
0: Awesome. So obviously, we talked a little bit about what you were doing before real estate, but maybe you can talk a little bit more about how that was always integrated. Because you've got a unique story in the sense that you discovered the concept of this much earlier than most people uh so what was it that really attracted you to that like did someone put the book in your hand like how did you think at 16?
1: I was was working at my uncle's shop he was a tool and die maker and I come from kind of a family of tool makers my grandfather was one as well and I was blown away at how much these guys worked my father he's actually an engineer and he was for hockey games and stuff like that but I noticed a lot of guys in the shop were working crazy hours and they quality of life wasn't the greatest when you're working like that so at a young age that was like i was 14 15 years old working in the shop and uh this was like weekends and summers kind of right but uh, i don't want to be doing this full-time Skip school, but um but at the at a certain point it was like okay is this kind of how i want my life to live or like be like do do i want a family do i want to be around for the hockey games or whatever is going to be happening so it really started to change my mind in terms of uh, finding different avenues for generating income, side hustles, somewhere yeah. uh, you know, entrepreneurship, and it's kind of like you know the law of attraction. When you start to open your mind to these opportunities, flow in. It just so happened that my cousin in law um had an auto shop. I used to take my car over there, and he yeah, use the hoist and I would fix my own car. Um, and he's like, it's like, I just bought a triplex in Toronto and I'm fixing it up. And you yeah. should book. It's a really good book. And that's where he gave me a reset for that. So I read that one. And then like, I ate it up in like a week. I was like, this is yeah. the coolest thing ever. I think i just, I'm onto something here. And why doesn't anyone talk about this? And then I came why back. Why isn't this
0: to- in schools? <laughs> <Like> yeah. <happy. laughs> so I, I,
1: I came back to him. I gave him his book back and he immediately gave me, uh, investing in Canadian real estate using the acre system by Don mm-hmm. Campbell. Yeah. He was the original founder of Rain, the Real Estate Investors Network in Toronto. And so I took that one and the way that the book's laid out, it's like a story of a guy named Richard, if memory served it correctly, and is very nicely lays out the thought process of like buying your first property. So I studied that till nauseum, and then that's what eventually like I was like hungry for it all through school. I had to finish school and yeah, see get a job to start building some credit. And uh in that but even even at a young age, you know, I'd have a credit card, like take it to the beer store, and like immediately pay it off. I never carried a yeah. balance, never carried myself into debt. So, and then eventually, like even my first property that I bought, um, I was getting by the time I finished the renovations in the basement, I added a bathroom and a bedroom. I was getting paid to live in my own house. Yeah. And you see the you see the the fruits of your studies and your labor in the money that you have in your bank and you're like, boy smoke, I have a house, it's paying itself down, it's appreciating yeah. value. And I'm out of pocket, no money. In fact, I'm getting six hundred plus dollars. So I was like, hey, I gotta keep doing this. So
0: yeah, put it on. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Now you mentioned obviously that you were working for a little while. How long were you working in your career before you ended up shifting over into full-time real estate investing?
1: I was working for four years. Okay. So not
0: long. <laughs> and then what size was your portfolio at that point when you left?
1: Um, I had bought two buying holds. So I had two holds and I had bought two flips. Okay. Well, so that was the like, first and second property. wasn't quite enough to carry a salary yeah so, hence why i actually ended up going getting my uh, realtor's license because i felt like i needed some sort of a transition between going from salary cushy, i've got benefits job yeah then eventually getting like you know f- you know free from the golden handcuffs i guess you could say so the first flip i did was i called the school flip because i made like 250 dollars at the end of a whole summer slogging on this bloody property yeah. and the second flip i made more than a year's salary and I was barely on the tools. Yeah. So it was just a whole mindset shift. It was like, okay, that's yeah. it. Time's nice. up.
0: And how long ago was that?
1: Well, that's gotta be like 10 years ago now. 10
0: years ago. Yeah, I just wasn't exactly sure how long that was. So, yeah. what yeah, does your portfolio crazy. look like today then?
1: So, we've got just over 80 units um, across uh, you know, the south of Ontario. Um, so, we've got apartment units, uh, eight flexes are our largest yeah. currently. We have a number of duplex, triplexes, fourplexes. I think I've got like maybe two single families. We have a fiveplex in New Brunswick.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: actually, we bought a set and seen, still haven't seen it. We've owned it for like three years. It just keeps doing its thing. Yeah. And then, um, uh, we actually just bought and sold two properties in Columbus, Ohio, just to nice. create a proof of concept and help us figure out our networks and vet them. So, yeah.
0: Now, can you talk about how you shifted over into multifamily and just in terms of the process of acquiring these properties? Because you started obviously just with your house hacking in the beginning, but then how did you shift over into these larger opportunities? And like, what was your process in terms of engaging investors, assuming that was what you did as well?
1: Yeah, great question, actually. I, I wish more people kind of asked that kind of thing. How do you, well, because you
0: can say what they did, but how did they do it? Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you, you get a lot of these like, hey, okay, you know, you're dealing with just duplex in a single fan, but there is this like step, this mental, right? You, you kind of, the way I see it is, it you, is like a ceiling of achievement. And you're kind of bouncing off and you need to break yeah. through. The yeah. second you do that, then it's like, okay, it kind of opens up your space a little bit more. So, yeah. Um, for us, it was, we had acquired a lot of these duplexes, triplex, single families. And, you know, I, I you hear from everybody, like, you know, the the effort and the work that goes into managing a duplex or a triplex is honestly quite comparable to the effort that it takes to manage like an apartment. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, you might have to tack a zero onto your fix. That's yeah. it. And I get that that is you know painful however you know your cash flow especially in today's climate with interest rates is protected a little bit better our cash flow on our multi-units are like four figure cash flows a month yeah cash flows on our duplexes like are kind of like a bit above break even right so it just goes to show you the economies of scale you can start to do a little bit more yeah I i mean there's still maintenance and other issues we have a property management company so we we uh Um, take care of these properties for our partners but the initiation and it it was literally just kind of holding your breath like we had made a lot (laughs) of in jumping in like I I I can say it a little bit better but we had done so many of these and and so we had made very good money doing conversions right at the peak time and now for a lot of people like uh, they don't work they don't work here in Hamilton even if you buy it really well so that you have minimal money, you're not going to cash on the back end. Yeah. A lot of people I know now are in hot water because of these these deals that they bought thinking that interest rates are going to be staying at the same rate that they are. And now they're like, you know, minus a thousand bucks a month or something on their property.
0: yeah and that's one of the big things or challenges with ontario it's like i'm sure you can go to summer some of the smaller towns and stuff where things are obviously much much lower and that could even create some other Mm -hmm. challenges when you consider vacancies or what kind of work opportunities are and stuff like that but that's ultimately where i think a lot of investors look outside of our backyard here because you can't necessarily cash flow you've got the LTV. there's obviously a lot of other things kind of coming along with that but looking back to where you started like did you also join any education organizations or groups like or did you just literally like wing it all on your own
1: no at the very beginning i was uh i i was still at acon and i joined fortune builders um so i don't know if you've heard of them you know fan merrill uh J S Asian. they uh they used to be on this show called my house, flipping houses or something like that okay the really original in a- in a- shows or whatever
0: one of the OG uh, reno shows <laughs> yeah exactly
1: yeah. There was like a couple of these guys and they were just like three dudes that would go around and like flip houses and they'd throw in some drama in the episode kind of thing and, yeah uh, yeah so they they had one of those seminars that came to town so I got you know I was on someone's mailer and they reached me out so you go to the seminar and it was like 100 bucks and you go when you're at the seminar they pitch you for the for the
0: but yeah, I've it. been through that model with another organization. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I remember I brought my cousin along with me because I just, you know, wanted someone to come along. He was in the real estate too. And I remember him talking to me in the parking lot, like, don't do this. It's going to be such a, you know, there's other ways to go, but like, yeah, yeah, okay. So we had him to say goodbye. As soon as he left, I went and signed up for it. Uh, and, uh, and the thought, it was 20,000 American. It was literally like everything I had. Yeah. But I needed to put that pressure on me. I needed to commit to something. Because that wasn't easy money for me. Like I was working a salary job. I think I was making 60 or $17 an hour or something yeah. like when I first started. So it was a lot of money, partial credit card, whatever. Yeah. But the thought was if I could do one flip that made 20 grand, then I could get that money back. And at this point, yeah. I already bought uh, two properties um so i kind of got the just i needed to find a way to accelerate my learning and so yeah it was actually very good I've, i still i love fortune builders i'm not so much heavily involved in the community of fortune builders however it did do a lot for me yeah and, uh, i thought i find that with a lot of these things like rich dad poor dad has one you got key spire you've got you know well simple yeah or um I forget what There's another one out there. There's wealth
0: genius and simple yeah. investor. Yeah. Totally
1: <laughs> you exactly. kind of put yeah. them together. <laughs> so, it, you know, a lot of these groups have it. And then you get these mixed reports of people like, oh, this is a scam. Is like nothing out there is actually a scam. It it's might, not a
0: scam. And I think the people that say that are the people that sign up and they're not prepared to take action. Totally. So yeah, it's going to be a waste. If you go drop 20,000 or 30,000 and you do nothing, yeah. And they say the scam. Like, no, like you have to be ready and prepared to actually do something with what you're about to learn. Right.
1: Yeah. And it's, it, for me, I felt like I could always go back and even to this. Funny enough, when we got, went into the US, I like reopened up the module and it had like all the forms I needed, everything. I'm like, oh, like, yeah. Oh, this is a dream. <laughs> and perfect. <everything>
0: <laughs> Just when I needed it. Yeah.
1: 10 years ago, yeah. Alex, thank you for dropping 20K. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. No, I, mean, I think as long as you're investing, and you're ready. I think that that's a wise, wise thing to do. I did the same thing when I uh, joined Keyspire going back five ish years ago that I just didn't know what to do next. And, you know, their price tag at the time was 35,000. So, you know, it wasn't something I signed on the dotted line, but I went out and tried to find people that were members, not commissioned sales consultants and just to validate like what their experiences were like. And I actually found a woman that's a mother-in-law one of my staff at the time. And she was, you know, she's actually their biggest, cheerleader i think at this point in time and biggest advocate but she she kind of said the same thing if you're ready to take action it will be worth it you'll make the money back probably in a few months she went from something like nine doors to 54 doors and now she's doing like land development big capital raising and stuff like that so you know it was enough to me that i was kind of like okay went back did it went to their investor summit and then i took big action and it. it did a whole bunch of different things right but oh part. yeah 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 so i'm part of their they've got like a big robust um Facebook group. So it's just, there's a lot of opportunity connection, even just through the community and stuff like that. So, you know, I think going back it, they could have maybe structured the membership a little bit differently, which we can talk about offline, but um it got me started. So at the end of the day, I think that's really the most important thing. Um Now going back to some of your lessons and learnings, what would you say are some of the challenges that you experienced while you're growing your portfolio?
1: Um, I think that one of the biggest one, and I'm still guilty about it, and the more I'm kind of learning and getting older and hopefully wiser, and so absolutely, who knows, that's for someone else to judge, but uh, I think that there is this, I grew up always thinking that, you know, if you have to, if you want to do it right, you got to do it yourself, and part of me still has that kind of internal, like, oh, like, you know, it's easy to jump in and fix something. Yeah. Yeah. You know. However, if you're looking to scale, you have to rely on, on other, other people,
0: people. yeah, One,
1: <laughs> yeah, our team that you can trust. And like, for example, oh, a very clear example is like here in Hamilton, I typically have been very involved in our clubs. I do construction managers. Yeah. Fortunately, it's because I, I also do like it. I do love the technology side and find different ways to make buildings more efficient, whatever. Yeah. However, when we did flips in Columbus, like I don't have that option. Yeah. You just jump in my car, drive six and a half hours. So I spent a lot of time vetting good people out there. And to the point where these last two flips, I had never seen the property, never met the contractor face yeah. to face, never met my realtor, never met the wholesaler, never met the. And we netted between the two about 45K. Yeah. For literally like, setting up and trusting and empowering people you know so it's funny you know i have folks here that have lived or have worked with me for years now and and i kind of you know go job to job together and they're almost pretty much full time with us um and i find sometimes without knocking their skills because i would keep them if they're not good they are good sometimes they they're like alex what do i do here whereas it's like no no you tell me what you're going to do and then i'll yes or no if it works you know and so empowering people and, and being it's really started to make me think about leadership in a different capacity and I think that, yeah. that's, a, that's a very important thing but mistakes wise if I quantify my mistakes it would probably make me throw up in my mouth
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's uh it is nothing but it's all part of
0: business it's a cost of doing oh. business you know yeah. I think I found that challenging as well like I had my own business for 18 years and you know, we really started to grow our team about 10 years in, and I had to like loosen the reins off. Like, I was brought in for management and operations. Well, I had to drive the sales of the business. So I needed people to go out and do the work. And it was really hard because it's still like, you know, our brand reputation on the line, my relationship with clients. And, you know, it definitely was hard at times to you know, it got better as time passed, but you know, in the beginning I'd be like, I'll just go into their email on a Saturday morning. I'm just going to see what's happening and do some of their work. and <laughs> thinking like, I'm helping them get a, a leg up on the week. But meanwhile, they're probably like, what is she doing? <laughs> yeah, or you know, just, It was just, it was really hard to let go in the beginning and, and see. So I'll
1: take care of that. She's got it. Uh, yeah. So it took
0: time to like, trust the team, develop the right systems to train board training and onboard them properly and develop playbooks and stuff like that. But it's all part of like growing, like as young entrepreneurs, like no one's sitting here teaching it to you. Like you're kind of learning by the seat of your pants. (laughs) So
1: what I find is funny is that there's this, like my wife and I were business partners and we have staff, but there's this fear of getting too big because big things fall hard kind of thing. Right. And it's, you actually have to aim to build big so that you can step back yeah and it doesn't have to be so crazy or so uh you know off the cuff because is that that point though where you are kind of your chief cook and dishwasher even yeah. when people are, are bringing on board because you have to develop the system you have to train them you have to hold them accountable yeah you need to give opportunities so that people feel like they're growing within you yeah. It's an important thing. So Yeah, very, no, I think that's big. <laughs> so, yeah. so I
0: guess now when you look at your portfolio and the growth that you have experienced, what would you say you're most proud of?
1: Um, well, uh, I'm most proud of my family. I will say that. That's probably not the answer you're looking for because you're looking at, at it from a business standpoint. But I think that, that is, it's allowed us to do a lot of things. I'm proud yeah. of the fact that like I get to be home for dinner every night. I, I'm proud of the fact that like, you know, I got to take boys to so I got four three and a one-year-old actually yeah. today. Um, so um so young family, very, you know, energetic boys, all three of them. But it's uh, at this stage, you know, I can imagine how challenging it was for my grandfather who worked like 16, 17 hours a day. Yeah. You know, and my grandmother was one or like even my uncle, who like he's put he puts in a lot of time. It's a very handy yeah. industry, and you gotta kind of put the hours in, but Real estate has allowed me flexibility in that sense. Yeah, you know we make very good income. We have our future that's being set up. We we don't have RSPs. We have properties that we came down. Yeah, the future looks very bright in that capacity, even with interest rates. Yeah, I think that that's what I'm most proud of is that making smart decisions earlier on, and that was a byproduct of reading the right things. I see a lot of 20 some odd year olds, you know, uh, that are just kind of sitting idle or they're, you know, finding themselves yeah. and it's taking a while to do that kind of thing. It's yeah. like, you have to somehow apply yourself. I'm a firm believer. So any of your young audience, if you're in your twenties, make as many mistakes as you can. And I'm not saying stupid mistakes like and yeah. blow your credit card to nauseam and then, you know, suffer in debt for the next 10 years. I'm yeah. saying try a different job, try, you know, work a side hustle, work three side hustles, go yeah. in evenings, weekends, find things that you're passionate about. Yeah. So Work doesn't have to feel like a slog. Work should excite you because you're going to yeah. do the rest of your life.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the whole purpose of, you know, even having this po- podcast. It's not that, you know, everyone's dying to necessarily own all these things, like it's more the freedom that comes along with it and the lifestyle freedom that it gives you and the return on time and stuff like that, right? So it's just kind of creating that legacy and that the total like lifestyle for yourself. But on that point, we're just gonna take a really brief word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Inspired to Invest is proud to support the Beyond Success program. In today's complex world, it's absolutely crucial for our youth to learn how to take charge of their financial future. We believe that every young person deserves access to accurate, practical financial information. Designed to bridge the gap, the Beyond Success program leverages a comprehensive educational bootcamp to equip young minds with essential financial literacy skills. At Beyond Success, it's not just about teaching financial literacy, it's also about fostering a foundation for a prosperous and empowered future. Join us, together we can build a brighter financial future for the next generations. Join us together. We can build a brighter financial future for the next generations. We are so excited to announce the launch of Fluent Capital, a competitive investment and lending solution to all of our clients. We're providing competitive investment rates as well as alternative lending options for first and second mortgages. Our mission is preservation of capital through rigorous underwriting processes to ensure we preserve your investment. So what makes Fluent different from other investment firms? We have a low fee structure with full transparency. Our investors receive the interest income as well as all the other fees that we charge to our borrowers. That includes administration fees, renewal fees, discharge fees, and origination fees. At Fluent Capital, we're all about risk management and preservation of your capital. Fluent Capital, we speak your language. Thanks again for following along with this episode of Inspired to Invest. In addition to real estate, investing, and running my own brand experience agency for 18 years, I also published a book called The Accidental Entrepreneur in October of 2021. This is my story, and it chronicles how I turned tragedy into triumph to embrace my destiny in entrepreneurship. If you're interested in picking up a copy, you can find the link at serenahomesrealtor.com, and you can also find my link tree with all of the retailers in the details below. Thanks again for your support. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Inspired to Invest podcast. I have Alex Pal here talking to me about how he's grown his portfolio fairly significantly over the last 10 plus years across Canada and also the United States. So I know we are talking a little bit about your journey. And I guess one big question I have for you is what's the craziest thing that's happened to you so far as a real estate investor?
1: Craziest thing? Um, I mean, there's... In terms of like jobs or like things that we've done at properties? Yeah, like like
0: anything maybe that you've encountered at a property or their tenant or an employee, like anything that really jumps out or really knocked your socks off.
1: (laughs) We've done some pretty gnarly properties. Um, even our designer here locally, is like you guys, always buy the best properties, and he means that facetiously in the sense that like they're not the best; they're the worst. <laughs> so you're gonna um, turn we, them
0: into the the best. Yeah. But they've got but the so most potential. <laughs> yeah, we've got some
1: really really cool before and afters um, that we showcase. Them actually some on my website, but we um we bought fire damage. Uh, crack infested, like we bought a our, one of our apartment buildings was uh, an old rooming house that was completely neglected and the previous owners had bought it off of the previous guy who had it tight buttoned up, everything as good as a student rental they bought it and they let in some riffraff that pushed all the students out and they then announced that they were going to try and get some government grants for keeping it as a safe injection site and this whole argument for safe injection sites is probably the stupidest thing ever i'm going to say that to anybody who's listening this property had not an ounce of copper left in it the water was shut off the hydro was shut off you would walk into this place there was burn marks everywhere from cigarettes there's people passed out all over the place it was terrible to see and my heart breaks for these like addiction is not something that i you know think of lightly i think it's terrible however it's It's fascinating to me as a real estate investor to be exposed to that. Yeah. How frequently it's, uh, it's, it's great. You know, there's an idea of just taking this property, cleaning it out, kicking it out, keeping everyone out. And then that's it. Yeah. There was a legitimate tenant. People had just come and gone between us getting the property under contract and actually closing on it. There's two overdose deaths in the building. Wow just like you, you kind of see that like you're walking through it and you're just like it's like you're walking through like Resident Evil with the movie or something like that and it's just eerie it's sad and it's like you think that the establishments can do better and they can do better but yeah. also in, you know the guys that had bought this started it with good intentions it's like we're going to do something good for the community and every single neighbor in that place Three or four times would come to visit us to say thank you for doing something about the problems that yeah. we businesses would have to close early things were getting stolen from their back uh yeah. those areas and stuff like that so any it was it was good on that sense anytime we yeah. needed water or power or if we we're going to like a shutdown like, yeah oh, we got water pumps for your hose they connected for us and everyone was super helpful yeah. and, and, and thankful that like somebody's coming and doing something about it because yeah. they don't so to me, that still is one of the craziest things. And I can appreciate that there are sides of this political debate that are like, well, look at you, the greedy landlord who's doing this, but yeah. it's um that affects everybody.
0: Yeah. People yeah. Everyone... No, I mean, I understand that. And on a small point, I have a friend that her husband's a paramedic, so mm-hmm. he had to go to a safe injection site. And I think he was triaging like three people that were overdosing at the same time. And, You know, there's obviously like a lot of things and it's just, I don't know at what point, I don't know maybe why the government or an organization needs to like provide something like this. Like, I I don't know, like you think like it's, you'd want to focus me on getting people off of those things, not like just providing them with the space to enable them to do it. And Um, I I don't know, maybe that's politically incorrect to say that. (laughs) So I don't want to get any like email. Like, I don't, I don't really know, but I mean, at the end of the day, like I can understand what you're talking about and how one one house or like one bad egg in a neighborhood can really affect everybody, right? Like I even yeah, have a little very close egg. to us that the property owner turned it into a rooming house, and there's I don't even know maybe eight or ten people, and we live in a pretty good community, but this one house is like, uh, why? I don't, I don't even know if this is legal, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's really kind of having that impact yeah. on everyone. So What's
1: interesting if you look at the Google Maps, you know how like Street View they have like the screenshot of the pictures, and you can go back like I don't know eight. Yeah however many years and like anytime the google car comes they take a updated screenshot and you go, you look when it was owned by the previous previous owner it was like beautiful the shrubs were very well kept the grass was all yeah good. it wasn't and everything and it was just goes through this hell period where the property yeah. looks gray. Yeah.
0: yeah well i mean i guess it it all depends on who the owner is right and what they want to do and what they want to put into it so um i guess that being said in terms of the knowledge that you've acquired over the last several years, what would you say is some of the best advice that you've ever received?
1: Um, Well, one is just to take action. You have to, you know, if you think that real estate investing is going to be this, you can pay to just play. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. And that kind of ties in with the second best piece of advice I've ever learned and internalized is that your best resource is being resourceful. And I think that's something that's really resonated with me because as a real estate investor, there, there's an entrepreneurial flair to it where you have to be creative. You have yeah. to find a different way to do things, whether that's in your financing, in your construction, or in the finding deals. Like where are you going to find properties? So you're yeah. ready to buy. I'm a real estate investor. I just read Robert Kiyosaki's book for the first yeah. time. I'm ready to go. Now what? You're just going to scan online and buy the first thing you see or not. Yeah. You have to start to look and feel and make connections and don't be afraid to make phone calls, Yeah, and especially with the texting world nowadays and messaging, people yeah. are afraid to pick up the phone. I don't understand why. It's very common. Just pick yeah. up the phone, call somebody, build a connection. Yeah. A yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense to me. Now, obviously you've been working on building your portfolio in a couple of different places. What would you say is next for you? Do you have a specific number of do- doors or like value that you're working towards? yeah yeah
1: actually we are in the process of working towards we don't have a deal in place but we're setting up all the groundwork for it yeah Um, we're going to be looking at like the 50 plus units in the u.s and so that's the the next big leap and so i'm very excited for that um because once again like i was talking about the beginning there's that ceiling of achievement and what does that look like yeah. People do it. So what's what's different where they do it? All it is is a different thought sequence and a different yeah. process and a different way to, to analyze the property. And, and then you're raising gap where you're having different conversations on that. Luckily, yeah. we have a lot of experience you know, using other people's money and we have a very good reputation in the investing world and we have a lot of joint ventures who've made a lot of money with us. So that part is, is probably the least of my worries. It's more yeah. about finding and vetting the right deals and how we
0: yeah. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Now, in terms of your financial freedom number, just on the personal side, is there anything that you've defined as something that you want to see in your own life for your, your family and for your legacy?
1: Like a quantifiable X per month, dollar? Per yeah, month? like would it
0: be a cash flow number? Would it be a volume of the portfolio? Like, you know. Me, yeah,
1: I would say it's definitely more of a cash flow number than a volume number. If I can get the same cash flow with one big kahuna deal, sure. Yeah. for me, it's like, I know that the the quantity of units can often seem.
0: Yeah, people like to say they've got like two hundred doors or a thousand doors. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. But I could imagine a thousand single family homes. I would rip my hair out. Of. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you
0: know?
1: But yeah. it's it's. Uh, I think that the um, the thing that I look for, and one of my guiding principles, is consistency. Yeah. yeah, And I think that it's, it's almost a fallacy in my own life. And I acknowledge that is that I I, I like consistency, but I'm always jumping into something new to try yeah. do something better. However, I think...
0: Well, you're consistent with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that that's the, the thing that drives me is that every single month, all of our expenses and our lifestyle should cover itself by passive income. Yeah. And then, and then the rest... There is just great.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So in terms of motivation and inspiration, are there any particular quotes that really resonate with you?
1: Um, Yeah, actually, there's one that I've been saying frequently. Uh, There's a Warren Buffett quote that I absolutely love. It's that the stock market is the only store that people run out of when there's a sale. And it applies to real estate, too. So I think that for those folks that are interested in real estate investing, learn the real estate cycle and find when you think might be the best time to buy based on where we're at today. Because I think that a lot of people right now are like interest rates really stink. And like, I'm just going to wait, I'm going to wait till interest rates come down. Yeah. What happens when interest rates come down, property values go up. So, you know, look for those opportunities, look for where you can, um what are the three categories there's the there's the innovator there's the um uh, the person who rep- replicates them with the idiot that's another warm buffer quote i forget what it is i'm not butchering it but you don't want to be the person who's coming in at the trail end because you finally have built yeah. the and the market's already starting to shift on
0: you yeah yeah, yeah i mean it's like the people that probably really high at the beginning of last year and then if they're selling shortly after they've really lost their shirts in a lot of ways right yeah. now is there anything in particular you'd like to leave with anyone that could be listening or watching right now
1: um no i, I think that uh, for the most part you know if everyone, anybody wants to have a chat or or wants to um uh, you know connect based on investing in the U.S. or being a part of a bigger apartment building we are going to be doing some uh, financing rounds for sure so yeah. I like to connect with like-minded people or credit investors of course and uh, and look at future opportunities because I think that there is a lot of growth that's going to be taking place in, yeah. generally with the distribution between renters and owners right now there's a lot of young people who are are surrendering to the idea that they might not become homeowners. It breaks my heart. um, And I think that that's a mindset ordeal. However, if people just decide to rent and travel more instead of buying a house, what does that do to the supply and demand for rental housing? Yeah, In this industry, you know, there's going to be opportunity to, to grow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know that makes sense. And for anyone that is interested in learning more connecting, what's the easiest way for them to get in touch?
1: I'd say uh, you can follow us on Instagram. It's Powell Property solutions. There's an underscore between either pal or property. I forget which one it is, but um, also my um, we have a website. It's palproperty solutions.com. There you can see that we have you know, blogs. We do uh, before and afters. I've got some videos too on what things look like and we do invest together Um, Those are probably the two easiest ways. And if you fill out any of those forms, those emails will typically come to me anyway. And we can always book a 15 minute call and see how we can help.
0: Perfect. Great. So we'll include all of that in the show notes below. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to be with us for today. And of course, if you liked what you've just watched or heard, please make sure that you like, comment and subscribe. And we'd appreciate reviews as well. You can follow along at Inspire to Invest podcast on Instagram and above all else, make sure that you keep in mind when you invest in yourself, the sky's the limit. Thanks again to Fluent Capital for bringing you this episode of Inspired to Invest. The views represented on this podcast are for general information only and does not constitute investment or other professional advice or an offering of securities. The host and guests featured on Inspired to Invest make no representations as to the performance of any particular investment. Should you decide to make an investment, you are responsible for conducting your own review and analysis. It is recommended that you obtain independent legal, accounting, and tax advice from licensed professionals.